Some bad episodes are bad because they're badly acted or badly written or badly constructed. Some episodes are bad because they're just face-palmingly awful at almost every level or in some way are insulting or, you know... I hesitate to use the word disgusting, but I'm struggling to come up with another word. Some episodes are bad because they're threshold. But then there's some episodes that are bad because they're really, really boring. Uh, let's see here. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nope, seven. Not counting the thing I came up with when the episode was cl- uh, concluding, I have seven bullet points for this week. Seven. This is going to be a little short. I do want to say it makes sense why this episode sucks. No, really, it does. This is a classic example of a situation where uh, they're like, okay, well, why don't we do such and such? Okay, that's a good idea. We'll do such and such. And they start thinking about it, and they start doing kind of prep work for it, and it's just not coming together, and they're like, you know what, screw it. Let's do something else. Okay, let's do something else. Yeah, it's not really working together. Uh, How about this? Okay, that's not really working together. How about this? And I don't know if you know this, but television has a deadline. Like, I mean, to use my own self as an example, I have to have an episode out every Monday, 5 a.m., every Tuesday at 5 a.m., and every other Friday at 5 a.m. I, that, that's a that's a hard line. It's a schedule. You have to keep to the schedule. That's how television works. So they had to have an episode. And they were getting to the point where they had only a couple days left before they were going to start principal shooting. And they didn't have a cohesive script. So they were like, okay, 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 okay. Uh, it's an Esri episode about a family, but also we'll bring in uh, Bilby, the, the Bilby family. What's her name? The wife. There you go. Perfect. God, we got it. Good. Okay. Throw it on the camera. And that's exactly what we got. This episode, I'm going to complain about the big thing first, because the big thing really helps to shine a light onto what I just talked about. So the episode starts, and it's all about O'Brien and Bashir. But then it kind of shifts over to Esri and her family. But then it shifts over to uh, Esri in particular. Like, and I'll talk about that later. But then it shifts back to Ezri's family, then to the syndicate, then to the murder mystery, which is then immediately solved, and then to a melodrama scene, which I don't know what else to call it. Like, it's straight out of a soap opera. And then it concludes. Now, in case you're not quite getting the point here, and I, I know I'm struggling at this, because it's just, I'm staring at this episode, like, half the time. There's no cohesive narrative or structure to this episode at all. This is an episode that needed multiple additional script passes, and it shows. This is an episode that was so bad, Ira Stephen Bear personally reached out to Nicole DeBoer and pretty much said, I'm sorry. (laughs) I apologize for this piece of crap. It happens, but that doesn't change the fact that this sucks. I was actually thinking if this deserved lamentation quality, and I was like, you know what? I actually have a precedent for a boring episode getting lamentation. Because I've seen Shades of Grey. So I thought about it. I was like, you know what? Sure. I'll go the extra mile. I had something going on anyway, so I couldn't start recording immediately. I actually finished watching the episode like 30 minutes ago, something like that. So I'm like, okay, you know what? 
I'll fire up Shades of Grey. You know, I've got the Blu-rays right here because i got all the Blu-rays and DVDs ready to go for this. So, popped it in. I'm like, okay. <clears throat> so, this is not as bad as Shades of Grey, is what I'm trying to say. Which means I don't really think this deserves lamentation quality. The script is awful, but this, the acting is at least acceptable. And the episode tries to maintain a sequence of events happening, even if there's no real story going on. You could almost tell that the director was like, okay, now I want you to act like this. Okay, now I want you to act like this. And I know what you're thinking. What's wrong with that? What I mean by that is in a way that doesn't make sense for the character to act. There's no... Ah, there's a term for that. There's no continuity, basically, between how a character will act in one scene and then in another scene. They just kind of bounce around in their portrayal. And, uh... Yeah. So let's go through the episode, shall we? The beginning we find out there's multiple types of gach. Which actually makes a lot of sense to me, now that I think about it, because, you know, that, that makes sense. I mean, how many different types of potatoes do we have in real life? Hell, if you want to narrow it down, how many different types of french fries do we have in real life? Or chips, if you prefer. So, yeah, okay, I'm with that. Although it would really suck to remember what all those taste like. Maybe you should think about something else, Ezri. Just a thought. Oh my god, get out of my eye. Hmm. Sorry, I had gach in my eye. It's still there. Whatever, I'll deal with it after the episode. Ah! Uh, so we sort of finally following through on the, the thread of Bilby's wife. Unfortunately, unlike most of the recurring threads, this almost seems to detract from the episode, which, again, can't decide what it wants to be about. The idea of O'Brien hunting down Bilby's wife, you know, and trying to figure out what the heck happened to her, makes a degree of sense. After all, he obviously cared about her and wanted to keep up on things after the events of... whatever the name of that episode was. The Syndicate episode. It wasn't that long ago. But I have to admit, O'Brien going this far undercover without any kind of official anything is actually a little bit unusual, if I might be so bold. The only explanation I could come up with here would be, again, this would require another polishing pass. Oh, my God. But imagine for a moment if he actually went to Starfleet Intelligence first and was like, look, you know, I'd, I'd like to follow through on this. He, he asked me to take care of his family. She's gone off the map. I think something's going on. And they're like, well, we sympathize with you, and under normal circumstances, we'd have your back on this. But we're kind of busy. I think I got it. We're kind of busy because we got a war going on, so no. So then he decides to go independently and deal with this on his own right. This then leads to him being gone longer than he should be, which leads to Bashir going ahead and telling Cisco what he was doing on his leave time, which leads to them trying to look into it. Okay, a little more narrative cohesion there. Unfortunately, like I said, the episode can't decide if it wants to be about Esri, the family, or the murder mystery thing. Those are the three main threads, and it just kind of bounces lightly between them. I will say, one of the things I do like about this episode is Esri herself. She talks about not knowing what gender she is until she pulls open the color, the covers, not understanding which pronoun to use and stuff like that. Now, obviously, this applies in a very literal way to a trill, but it kind of has a different meaning in 2020, right? And the way that she talks about that is not only kind of revealing in its own right, but what I like about it is how much her family has no issue with that. They're just there for her, no problem. You know, you'll figure this out. I know you're the only one who's having this issues because most people have the training and time and etc. But this isn't your fault. You'll get through this. And they're just kind of supportive of her. And that was nice. I like that. 
It's one of the only things I liked about the whole episode, but I did like it. Um, and so then it shifts over to being about the family for a bit, and we find out a weirdly large amount about these characters for not actually knowing anything about them. Like, it's it's almost as if we were reading the cast sheet in some cases. Like, here's him. He does this and does this. And then he also does that. You know, the kind of thing that would usually be stretched out into more fluid and dynamic dialogue in a second or third or fifth or eighth polishing pass in a script. <laughs> it's really obvious when you analyze scripts and, and script production when a script hasn't had the usual six or so polishing passes that a script usually has until it gets to the actual teleplay. Anyways... <clears throat> So we see the two... I don't even write their names down. I know Norvo's the, the, the murderer. But what we, all, what we see is the, the put-upon son and the other put-upon son. And the put-upon daughter and the putting-upon mother. And I wish I had anything to say about any of that. <laughs> uh, sucks. Ezri mentions the comment, the drumbeat of criticism. Now, this is going to sound weird, but I had a girlfriend once. That's that's not the weird part. <laughs> I had one particular girlfriend once who did exactly that to me. I couldn't do anything right. She would just constantly criticize everything I did, passively or actively. It drove me nuts. And uh, I have heard... For years since then, from my sister, from my mother, that they've been trying to undo the damage that did to me ever since. Because it, I mean, you just get into that mindset. You get into that mentality of, well, no matter what I'm doing, I'm doing something wrong, right? No matter what I'm doing, there's a flaw with it. No matter what I'm doing, I am a failure. And if you do that consistently enough, it brings your overall tone down and frankly, the overall quality of your work, too, or whatever it is you're doing, it's not good. And it's the kind of thing that is hard to break because, well, if someone tells you you're not actually all that bad and then you screw up, you're just thinking, oh, they're just being nice. Oh, they're just trying to, you know, be polite. Or, oh, they just don't want me to beat myself up so much. But they know I really do suck. How many of you know what that feels like? Yeah, so that's... Two nice little moments in the episode. We're doing pretty good. We've got two moments. Do you have anything else? Um, no. <laughs> I mean, I could talk about how the, the, the villa, the mansion that they live in, was styled after something by Frank Lloyd White, and it, it shows, if I might be so bold. Right, excuse me, not White. I could talk about how interesting it is that there's, you know, companies like this under the Trill, who are Federation members, who do regular business and are being pressured by the Syndicate, and yet, you know, aren't, aren't trying to do anything to resist that or reach out to anyone to deal with that. Maybe there's something that I could infer from the idea that the Syndicate is using more time to expand its operations because under normal circumstances, the bigger guns out there would probably try to crack down on the Syndicate, but right now they're a little busy with the Dominion War. I could mention maybe the idea that the Syndicate's getting so bold because of the fact that they are currently under the oak of the Dominion and therefore are actively trying to make things worse in a way that's not technically profitable, but nevertheless destabilizes the economy in order to make the conquest better, but all that's just me making stuff up. None of that's there on the screen. This is a very dull episode. 
one of the things that one of the people mentioned, I think it was the director, mentioned that O'Brien feels like he was just brought in to see how things happened. And I actually agree. If they had, I mean, I hate to say that, but because of the way the plot is constructed, O'Brien is effectively just a passive viewer. There's even a really weird scene, which is, I can't even describe how strange it is, where he's like, did you know about this? Is this why you came after this? So you could hide this? No, I didn't know. Okay, well then let me explain to you what's going on. So you see, and he just, it's like someone hits a freaking switch. It, it's just the most bizarre scripting and acting and directing. It's just, it's like they were like, okay, I don't know what to do with this, so let's make it so you're really, you're really nervous and you're, you're like, ah, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not believe you or trust you. Clearly you were in on this. As if for a millisecond O'Brien could believe that Dax, any Dax, would be in on this. I know it's a different Dax. Don't care. And then we find out that Miss Bilby died for basically no good reason. So that's that's nice. That's that's good. The son gets 30 years. O'Brien says he got off easy. I agree. He, he openly murdered someone over money. He should probably be killed. <laughs> it would be nicer. Cheaper, too. You could send him after the syndicate. That'd be a lot less nice. Still cheaper, though. Hey, Syndicate, we found someone who killed one of yours that you were taking care of. What do you give us for him? <laughs> and the Syndicate's like, eh, two strips. Make it three. Okay. And here, congratulations, son. You are now dying for money. Hope you enjoy how it feels. I'm sorry. I'm just going off the wall here because I got nothing to talk about. I hate it when this happens. God, what, what do you want from me? Episode, what do you want from me? I'm going to chop this off. Hopefully next week I'll actually have something to talk about. I'll see you next time, guys.